Hey y'all, Salt Lime Storytime is back again with another spooky story sesh. I'm Jess Nani and I'm joined by my ravishing co-host, ooh, Allison Hillman. Ooh. Hello, I'm honored, thank you. <laughs> Allison, are you ready to get scared again? Yeah, I inhaled um, a little bit of potato before we came on. I, I think there is a piece still in my lungs. So if you hear me hacking, that's why. <laughs> Like fucking hell. Um, <clears throat> I am ready to get into spooky stories, or should I say, story? I am devastated. I am shocked, appalled. I can't even think of enough adjectives to describe the feelings that we are both experiencing right now. It's a really hard time over here at this podcast today. I, I'll just be, we'll be really frank with everybody listening. It's it's a hard time here at Solemn Storytime. All the uh, five stages of grief are definitely being experienced right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Jess, would you like to tell them what happened? So I guess in the spirit of transparency, we'll start at the very beginning. This weekend, I ran into Allison, and by ran into, I mean, I saw her and we had coffee together. And in that in that time, a joke was made about what haunted object was being done for one of our stories. I, because of that, we did not double check that we were not doing the same story. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm really sorry to say, but for the first part of this podcast, and for the first time ever, Allison and I wrote the same story. we sure did we sure did now i have opted because i i you know allison is such a good storyteller i'd rather listen to her tell me the story so i have opted into writing a different story here in the next couple of days so the first part of this podcast is being recorded on a monday allison is going to give me the most incredible story ever, even though I already know it. And I'm going to provide a little bit of flavor here and there, but then in a couple days, we're going to come back. (laughs) I'm going to bring her a new story and we're going to splice it all together for your, your listening pleasure. Happy Monday. (laughs) Happy Monday, everybody. Happy Monday. Well, on that note, I see what what you can hear in my voice I'm experiencing right now is Allison going back to her childhood days and learning about sharing for the first time. But I've never had to share a story, which is quite an interesting feeling. <laughs> but this will be a great exercise for me. I think a lot of personal growth will be had here. So I am grateful for this opportunity. I'm really excited to listen to how... You went about this story, and I know that you likely, because you are so, so good at this, you likely did a lot more research than I did, simply because I was traveling so much last week. But I, so I'm excited to hear what you know that I don't, and I, it sounds like, went into parts of it that you didn't, so I'm going to excited to add some slight flavor here and there. But before we get started, Allison, I do know that you made a drink, and I'd love to hear what that drink is. I did. I would like your help naming it again. I think that this might be a thing that we do because I you're a lot better at naming things than I am. So, <coughs> you guys, this piece of potato is going to kill me. Okay. I made an apple cider Moscow mule. And with fresh apples from our tree as garnish. 
It is delicious. And of course, I only use the best cider on the market, Zollinger's Apple Cider, locally yes. sourced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So good. I'm like a little pissed that we're in Utah because like if we were anywhere else, they would make hard apple cider too, mm-hmm. which I would literally hand over my entire will for a six pack of that shit. It would be so good. They have apple cider slushies, which great. Haven't had one yet. Anyway. So I made this a uh, hard Oscar mule, um, <clears throat> and I would like you to help me come up with a spooky name for it. Okay, you want it to be spooky. Well, it's it's spooky Halloween time. It's, it's, it's true. I have a really good like fall name for it, but it's not really spooky. Okay, what is it? A ginger apple crisp. Okay, but that's not but that's not scary, <laughs> you know. So I'm gonna have to workshop this. I I can't get the I can't get the apple crisp out of my head, and I need cursed. Like, oh, ooh, cause cursed objects. Oh, cursed apple crisp. Beautiful, and it's also cursed because I put a lot of vodka in it to finish mm-hmm. up the bottle. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's also good. I'm going first then. So this yes. is great. I love it. I will be driving after this, so I am not drinking. Anything other than a very, very crisp Diet Coke. So, yeah. not not as fun. Um, what do you do? <laughs> <clears throat> Great. Well, I still, I still enjoy uh, the concept of you helping me name these. And I will look forward to next week. Um, I think it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, it is really fun. And I, I might just keep it going. Do Thanksgiving themed, um, Christmas themed. Oh no, we've got clearly. Some good- I like to drink and make cocktails. So, um, just before we dive into a story that you have, like, going to be so surprised about. Um, what? Uh, how is your week? Are you? How are you? I'm okay. <laughs> it's been a really busy. It's been a really busy week. It's good. I am finally caught up on sleep from all my work travels, which is nice. But, dude, something's in the air. The last four days, something is in the air. Everyone I know had a horrific weekend in some capacity. Uh, uh, Car crashes, you know, just weird relationship stuff, people breaking up, people getting in fights. Like, there's just so – something's in the water. So, I don't know. My week was only okay. How about yours, Allison? It was fun to see you this weekend. That was a highlight. It was really fun to see. Yeah, it was very fun to see you. That remains a highlight for me as well. Um, I also had a hard weekend for different reasons. I had a friend pass away from cancer, Mm -hmm. and so I got to go to her celebration of life, which was beautiful, and Mm -hmm. I got to be there with a bunch of my friends. She was uh, one of my friends from the time I worked at Roadhouse in Logan here for years. Like, she was one of my friends there. So I had a lot of my old friends there as well, and it was really nice to see everybody, and it was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, yeah, that was obviously very hard, but yeah. with situations like that, a lot of connection comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, some of my best memories are from after funerals or celebrations of life or memorials because everybody's in such a raw state of vulnerability and is emotional mm-hmm. and sharing and just willing to be open, and I... I really find that, I don't know, that part of it's beautiful. The rest of it is just so devastating, but what comes of it can oftentimes be really nice and memorable and special. But mm-hmm. other than that, it was okay. I watched Smile in theaters um, on Sunday. I saw it with Johnny, and it was very, hmm. 
It was mostly just extremely suspenseful the whole time. Yeah. Like, it was, like, I was just really stressed out all the time. And Mm -hmm. I think it was really well done. I It baffles me that people can't come up with original concepts after so many things have been made. Mm -hmm. But this was, like, a really original idea. And I thought it was, like, really well done. Anyway, it was pretty scary. Um, But I shut my eyes for a lot of the parts that made me scared so I didn't have any nightmares or anything. Oh, good. But anyway, I highly recommend it, but it's, it's a, little, a little gory. I guess you would hate this movie for a number of reasons, and gore is one of them, so I don't recommend it for you. But it is okay. still an experience, and I want to be able to scare you by standing in a dark doorway, smiling ear to ear. So maybe you should watch it just so I can do that. Okay, well, <clears throat> that's me. Are we ready to jump into spooky objects (laughs) i am so excited to hear about your spooky object allison even though i already know what it is i'm excited to hear you tell me about it because i love nothing more than listening to you talk so jess is the best sport and the best friend of all time now tell me about the spooky object (laughs) and try not to choke on a potato I already inhaled it. Guys, I inhaled it when Jess and I found out that we did the same thing. I, like, took a gasp and, like, I had, like, a full mouth of potato and, like, three pieces. I felt them go down my esophagus and into my lungs. It was, do you think after you die, there's just, like, a little treasure trove of items that you've inhaled throughout your life just sitting at the bottom of your lungs? Um, Medically, I don't think that's how lungs work, but that would be really fun. (laughs) There's okay, just well. there's just like a little gnome in your lungs that are just like collecting things that they like a tiny rat that just like hides in its hole. Ew. But yeah, I wonder what happens to all the food you. It probably what happens to it? Does it rot? Does it just come out? Does it absorb? If anybody has any sort of medical knowledge, um, please let us know. Okay, I just have to say, food does not go in your lungs. <laughs> I know inhale it though. I know it feels that way, but if food went into your lungs, you'd be in big trouble. That's why you cough so much because it's not letting it into your lungs. I think this is a theory. I'm gonna Google this (laughs) because you can like uh, that's how you drown is you like inhale water and you get water in your lungs. And there's actually something called secondary drowning where you can like get really bad pneumonia after you almost have a drowning experience because of the water stuck in your lungs. So they have to okay. make sure they suck all of it out. I did not make – I did not think about that. You're right. It can go in your lungs. But food, it, like big chunks of food itself, that's usually why you'll cough so much. Because if that – if food goes into your lungs, you like choke, apparently, according to this very brief Google sentence I just read. So I'm dumb. I'm sorry. Now I'm wondering no, what happens not. to the rotted food inside your lungs. <laughs> that is the scariest no, part not. of this they podcast. They felt like very small particles. Like I swear to God I can feel them just sitting Ugh. on in my right lung. Oh. I swear to God. Anyway, if anybody knows, please let me know. Am I going to die of potato pneumonia? Please, I I need to know these things. So, well, okay. The dysentery didn't get you, so. Well, something else really stupid has to. So, <laughs> that right. was the like the eighth killer on the Oregon Trail was like potato pneumonia. They just didn't tell you about it because they all died. So, Jess, Ow. I will be telling you the very unknown story, a story that may surprise you, a story you've probably never heard of. I'm going to tell you the whole story of the Dybbuk box. <gasps> oh my gosh. Really? Wow. What? Okay. 
don't know anything so, about this. <laughs> shut the fuck up. So I used four main articles. An Input Magazine article by Charles Moss I used heavily. A paranormal witness interview called Gifting the Dybbuk Box, which you can find on YouTube. A Genius.com article with, this, uh, with the original story of the box from Kevin Manis. And a passage... <laughs> I'm sorry. A passage from a book called Ghost Hunting for Dummies by Zach Bagans. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Oh, also, I did watch um, an episode of Paranormal Prese- Possessions by Zach Bagans. It's season one, episode one. I didn't really talk about it that much because of other information I will reveal. Anyway, Jess and all our listeners... Hopefully none of you know about the Dybbuk box because it is one hell of a story. Mm-hmm. Let me take you back to a simpler time, Jess. 2003. <gasps> 2003 is known for a few things, including several absolute bangers being released, including Where is the Love by Black Eyed Peas, mm. Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes, Into mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Club by 50 Cent, And, of course, Crazy in Love by Beyonce. It is a time when many influential people were born, most notably Jojo Siwa, former (laughs) dance mom star from Nebraska turned lesbian with questionable taste in women. (laughs) And to be fair, same. So, like, I'm not judging a little bit, but I'm not. You know what I mean? Anyway. (sighs) Now on to the story. Joelle Joni Siwa was born in Omaha, Nebraska on May 19th, 2003 to Jessalyn and Tom Siwa. What? <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to. That was a. What if I was actually just about to give you a book report on Jojo Siwa's life? Um, I was ready. Yeah. Okay. So. Regardless of Jojo Siwa being born, 2003 was also a time when the internet was but a glimmer in most of our eyes. But eBay still existed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the magical land of eBay in 2003 is where our story begins. Had you, like my father, spent a lot of time on eBay in the early 2000s, you may have seen an item for sale listed as a Dybbuk box. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was posted by a man named Kevin Manis who, along with photos of the object, wrote a very lengthy description of what it was and where it came from. The following will be summaries and a few quotes from his listing. It all started in 2001 when Kevin Manis attended the estate sale of a 103-year-old woman who had just passed away. There, he purchased a few things, including an old wine cabinet. After purchasing it, he was approached by the woman's granddaughter who said, I see you got the Dybbuk box. He asked her what that was, and she didn't really know. All she knew was that the grandmother kept it hidden and insisted that it was never, ever to be opened. Upon further conversation, Kevin was told that the grandmother was a Holocaust survivor. Mm -hmm. She had barely escaped the Nazis with her life, but sadly, she had lost her entire family in the concentration camps. After fleeing to Spain to wait out the war, the woman acquired the cabinet, which she brought with her when she moved across the U.S. just a few years later. Kevin said that the granddaughter seemed eager, almost desperate, for him to take it. So he did. And this part wasn't written in the story. This is something that people 
have kind of come to the conclusion to since, but I think it helps make a better understanding for people like you who have never heard this story. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It is believed that all the grief that this woman experienced after the Holocaust was channeled into this box and that caused something evil and otherworldly to become attached. Mm. A Dibbuk is a a disembodied human spirit with unfinished business on Earth. Because of former sins, it wanders restlessly until it finds a haven in the body of a living person, or in this case, a meaningful object. Mm -hmm. The grandmother was obviously aware of what she had unintentionally conjured, and that is why she called it the Dybbuk box. Jess, do you have any more information on what a Dybbuk is? Because that's kind of the most I go into what a Dybbuk spirit is. Yeah, so the spirit has roots in um, Judaism, particularly in the 15th and 16th century. And it's from a form of Judaism that is like mystical Judaism. Um, So it's not something that's like widely throughout like mainstream Judaism. It's like it's not a widely accepted thing it's definitely more from that time period but basically it was in my interpretation i listened to a couple podcasts on this but primarily one from a woman who runs a podcast called jew witches and she went into this really heavily uh if you're interested at all in this background her podcast is really really good i learned a lot about um jewish witches all the way around but then also on this it was really it was very fascinating (laughs) i listened that's awesome i i like followed her podcast i was like i don't know when this information will ever be relevant to me but i really enjoyed her stuff so uh the other thing too is that i what she went on to say is that the modern interpretations of this is that it was a outward expression of mental illness and so one of the Mm. things in modern interpretations is that before you exercise a dybbuk you have to confirm that the human does not just have mental illness because it interesting because people who are possessed by it display symptoms of schizophrenia so typically so this is why it's not like a widely uh accepted thing now because they think that it's the way that they acknowledge mental illness and having mental illness be an expression of sin so take that, that is for very interesting i had no idea but it also kind of begs the question was even if it wasn't a dibbuk, maybe that is just the name they gave it. It could obviously be something else because, like, yeah. demons and other um, spirits are known to take the form or appearance of something else to, mm-hmm. like, get the attention or the reaction of the people they're trying to, like, suck the enter their energy from. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. So, but the history of the dibbuk, that's very interesting. I'm glad you knew that. Well, and it coincided with a branch of Judaism in uh, the German-Polish area that was around the time that they came up. I'm trying to remember. I, I closed my story, so now I don't have my references. But there is also this concept in uh, in this sect of Judaism where called transfiguration that basically is when you die, you go into another plane and another being and so there's also this whole thing where it's these souls that have died that are not worthy of transferring to this next plane and into their next being so they but they can't survive without being in something and so then they attach themselves to a living body or like you mentioned this box that's so fucking cool oh terrifying by the way i don't want it i don't want it but transmodulation not transfiguration 
I was like, that's how McGonagall turned I, herself into a cat. But I thought it translated into something else. I'm okay. mortified. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, I mean, it could have been something else. It sounds really official. <clears throat> Transmodulation. Got it. So, our boy Kevin, who just bought this box, uh, also owned a furniture shop, a uh, refurbishing business. Um, also owned a furniture... <sighs> fucking. Also owned a furniture refurbishing... This is the hardest thing I've ever had to say. Start the sentence over. (laughs) Kevin owned a furniture refurbishing business in Portland, Oregon, and planned on finishing. (laughs) You guys can't hear it. Jess is cracking up. She's a very visual laugher. (laughs) I'm trying not to interrupt you. I'm trying not to interrupt you. No, it's fine. It's so funny. You threw yourself back so hard. Okay. So he planned on refinishing the cabinet to give as a gift to his mother for her birthday. He left it in the he left it in the basement of his shop and left to run some errands while leaving an employee in charge of the store. And this next part is a quote uh, from his experience that he had. Quote, after about a half hour, I got a call on my cell phone. The call was from my salesperson. She was absolutely hysterical and screaming that someone was in my workshop breaking glass and swearing. Furthermore, the intruder had locked the iron security gates and the emergency exit, and she couldn't get out. As I told her to call the police, my cell phone battery went dead. I hit speeds of 100 miles an hour trying to get back to my shop. When I arrived, I found the gates locked. I went inside and found my employee on the floor in the corner of my office, sobbing hysterically. I ran to the basement and went downstairs. At the bottom of the stairs, I was hit by an overpowering, unmistakable odor of cat urine. And in parentheses, it says, there has never been any animals kept or found in my shop. The lights didn't work, and as I investigated, I found that the reason the lights didn't work also explained the sounds of glass breaking. All of the light bulbs in the basement were broken. All nine incandescent bulbs had been broken in their sockets, and ten four-foot fluorescent tubes were lying shattered on the floor. I did not find an intruder. I should also add that there was only one entrance to this basement. It would have been impossible for somebody to leave without meeting me head-on. I went back to speak with my salesperson, but she had left. She never returned to work after having been with me for two years. She refuses to discuss the incident to this day. End quote. The cat urine part of the story is what, like, the fact that it smells like cat urine when these things happen is so gross. I know. The cat urine is It's such is a just... distinct, nasty smell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you hear that, like, in the presence of, like, demons, like, you smell, like, sulfur, like, rotten mm-hmm. egg. Like, that's a very common knowledge or belief. But, like, cat urine's new, you know? Yeah. That's, that's really a fuck you move by that demon. <laughs> Absolutely. It kind of makes sense. The demon does feel like a little bit of a cat to me. Like a really mean one. Anyway. <clears throat> so, about two weeks after he bought the cabinet, he decided to get started cleaning it in time for his mother's birthday. While inspecting it, he was surprised to find the cabinet had a unique little mechanism. When you open one of the doors, the mechanism causes the opposite door and the little drawer below to open at the same time. Then he got to see what was on the inside of the cabinet, the contents of which the family he bought it from never saw. He found two U.S. wheat pennies uh, from the 1920s, one small lock of blonde hair bound with string, one small lock of brown hair bound with string, 
one small granite statue engraved and gilded with Hebrew letters that spell out the word shalom, which means peace in Hebrew, one dried rosebud, one golden wine cup, and one black iron candlestick holder with octopus legs. And on the back of the cabinet... And on the back of the cabinet, he found another long inscription in Hebrew. So, he cleaned it up and left all the contents inside the box and was, like, still like, hey, this is great. She's going to love this. Um, so, I personally would not see those things and be like, my mom will just, like, literally lose her mind over this gift. Wow, I'm will, such a good daughter. My mom will love random people's locks of hair. Can't wait. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. She would just love mysterious, clearly cursed objects that mm-hmm. look like they were, like, acquired from a thrift store. Like, just the scariest. Or, I guess, a yard sale, one could say. Um, so, upon first examination, his mother, Ida, seemed to like the gift. Also, I love the name Ida. I think Mm -hmm. it's so cute. Oh. But the second she opened the doors to the box, she collapsed and had a stroke. This is what he said. Quote, she ended up suffering partial paralysis and losing her ability to speak and form words. And in parentheses, it says, uh, she has since regained her ability to speak. She could understand things being said to her and could only respond by pointing to letters of the alphabet to spell out words she wanted to say. When I asked her the following day how she was doing, she teared up and spelled out the words N-O-G-I-F-T. No gift. I assured her that I had given her a gift for her birthday, thinking that she didn't remember, but she became even more upset and spelled out the words H-A-T-E. G-I-F-T. Hate gift. I know. Ooh. Ooh, it's so bad. It's so bad. I laughed and told her not to worry. I told her I was sorry she didn't like the cabinet and that I would get her anything she wanted if she would promise to get well soon. End quote. So, after regaining her ability to speak, the mother reports what she felt in those terrifying moments leading up to her stroke. And you can watch this, uh, you can watch an interview with her and Kevin by Paranormal Witness. The interview is called Gifted the Dybbuk Box, and you can watch it on YouTube. Dybbuk is spelled D-Y-B-B-U-K. It all happened three days after her birthday, on Halloween, by the way. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. They were in his store, and Kevin left her alone with the box because he had to make a phone call in the back. Mm-hmm. She says, quote, I looked at the box, and it was as if the box was looking back at me. When she opened the box, something blew through her that she could only describe as pure evil. She fell back in her chair, unable to move, unable to get away from this presence. It was then she knew that she was having a stroke. An employee rushed to get Kevin and called 911. Ida tearfully recalls in this interview not being able to speak, but so desperately wanting to warn her son about the Dybbuk box, which lay open behind him. Kevin could see she was pleading with her eyes, trying to communicate something, but he did not know what. She said in that moment she was, quote, trying to impress upon him how important it was he get rid of that box, end quote. Ugh. So, Kevin wasn't a believer in the paranormal and never associated any of the things that had happened so far with the box, which just makes him also the stupidest man alive because, like... Truly. Come on, man. Anyway. There there are locks of hair in this box. It's time to start Googling. 
Yeah, no, it's it's time to it's it's time to figure out the seminarly's happening here. Okay, anyway. So he did what anyone would do, which is he gifted it to other people in his family. So he gave it to his sister, who returned it with the complaint that the doors kept opening and would not stay shut. <laughs> then he gave it to his brother, who returned it, saying that to him it smelled like jasmine, but to his wife it smelled like cat urine. Mm-hmm. Kevin's girlfriend didn't want it either, so he finally decided to sell it in his shop to a nice middle-aged couple who just did not need to have that in their lives, apparently. He just gave it to them. Oh, he's so dumb. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kevin. I'm sorry. Um, Here's here's the thing that I, when I, like, got to this part of the story when I was writing mine, why are you pawning it off to your loved ones? Like, just, you have a furniture shop. Just sell it like a normal person. Clearly, people don't want this box. <laughs> Clearly, truly, yes. Well, apparently Kevin doesn't have our mindsets. Podcasts didn't exist back then, so, you know. Okay. Just the radio. Just the radio. True. All right. <laughs> so he, he uh, sold it to this nice middle-aged couple. A few days later, Kevin returned to open his shop only to find the Dybbuk box sitting there with the note saying, this has a bad darkness. He didn't know what that meant because he's fucking dumb and he ended up taking the box home with him that night. I feel like that is clearly spelling out like they literally said this has bad darkness and he was like what is it? I'm just going to take this home with me, you know? Like like oh, they just don't like the stain of this wood. <laughs> yeah, for real. It's like maybe the stain was called bad darkness or something and he was like oh that's like the specific flavor of stain or whatever and anyway (laughs) flavor of stain (laughs) i don't know what else you call it (laughs) the color no that's not as exciting also he didn't actually end up refurbishing it he wanted to keep it as was so he just cleaned Mm -hmm. it up he just rubbed it with lemon oil he wasn't he wasn't like these facebook resellers he was like i'm just gonna give this a nice little zhuzhing Mm -hmm. we kevin was smart for that he wasn't painting it in white chalk paint Not at all. Oh, God. And selling it at Hobby Lobby for, like, 40% off. All right. Mm -hmm. So, since the night he brought it home, he began having a reoccurring nightmare. In his dream, he would be walking with a friend or a loved one. Then, at some point in the dream, he'd find himself looking into the eyes of that person. It is then that he noticed something different, something evil looking back at him. At that point in the dream, the person he is with changes into what he can only describe as, quote, the most gruesome, demonic-looking hag that I have ever seen, end quote. This hag would then literally beat the shit out of him, and he would wake up with bruises and marks in the same spot that the hag had hit him in his dream. But still, he doesn't suspect the Dybbuk box. He still doesn't get it. Ugh. My guy is just like, it cannot be this box that I'm desperate to get rid of. No, for real. So, however, a month later, his sister, brother, and sister-in-law were all staying over. That's when Kevin's sister complained about a horrible nightmare she had the night before. She said it was the same nightmare that she had been having a few months ago. She proceeds to describe in exact detail the same nightmare Kevin had been having. His brother and sister-in-law paled and admitted that they had both had the same recurring dream as well. 
As they talked, it became clear that the common denominator was that each of them had the nightmare during the times that the cabinet was in their homes. Kevin called his girlfriend and asked if she could recall having any nightmares recently. She described the same nightmare, the same hag, everything. When he asked if it had happened to be the night before she returned the cabinet to him, she said, Yeah, how did you know that? Kevin is just... There's a billboard and Kevin is not seeing it. (laughs) Kevin just doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. So, soon after this conversation with his family, he started seeing shadows out of the corner of his eye. Not only that, visitors to his home would also report seeing shadowy beings around the house. He put the cabinet in an outside storage unit, only for the smoke alarm in that unit to go off in the middle of the night. But... There was no smoke in the unit when he opened the doors, just the overwhelming smell of, you guessed it, cat urine, and the Dybbuk box sitting, undisturbed, where he had left it. So, like any of us would not do, he picked it up and brought it back into his fucking house. And unsurprisingly to all of us, he awoke again, feeling a strange presence, and watched as a huge shadow figure went loping down the hallway away from him. Ugh. Ugh. Kevin. 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 Literally, I swear to God. (laughs) So, he goes on to say in this eBay listing that he is afraid that if he destroys the cabinet, the spirits will stay at his home forever. That's why he wants to sell it instead. All the contents included. Then the post ends with two simple words. Help me. More bad luck followed Kevin when he had the box in his possession, including the suicide of a store employee and the suicide of his brother. And Jess, this is where things make it interesting because I'm immediately jumping to a man named Jason Haxton who owned the box. Because while there were people before him that reportedly said to have owned it or bought it there is absolutely no record of them ever existing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. i'm gonna jump to him unless you have something you want to say about any of the other owners no the only the only thing i will say is that how jason haxton claims to have gotten his hands on this in that he bought it from a student is weird to me that just gave off weird vibes Mm -hmm. i heard it was a co-worker I thought it was, I read it that it was a student that was a roommate with the guy who was the first person that, who bought it off of Kevin initially. And then it was like word of mouth where that guy's roommate told Jason, who I was under the impression was a teacher, like was in some sort of position of like teaching because it was said student. Mm -hmm. But either way, weird vibes, like weird way to get a, get a haunted cabinet. He he was a museum director. Yeah. So he had a museum, but either way, whether Hoxton purchased it directly from Kevin or from somebody else who got it from eBay, a man named Jason Haxton did end up owning it and he bought it for $280. So being a science-based man, he didn't believe in the paranormal. However, after he actually received it, his opinions changed. Quote, The day it arrived, I put my hands on it, and it almost felt like the thing collapsed into a liquid state. I felt like a knife was coming into my gut. I'm paralyzed in pain. When I went to bed, I had terrible dreams of a hag that seemed to have come with the box. End quote. 
Ick, 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 he, ick, ick, ick. <laughs> he also experienced bad luck and illness. After touching the box, he recalls vomiting up an ectoplasm-like substance. He would break out in hives. He had feelings of being choked. And he even awoke in the middle of the night with his eyes fucking bleeding. So, not great stuff. Um, if your eyes are bleeding, something is wrong. So move on from the box. And, and go immediately to the hospital and live there forever. So Yeah, truly. He followed the advice of a rabbi and placed the cabinet in a military-grade box and buried it in a secret location on his property away from his home where it remained for five years. And I should say that this, like, box isn't, like, huge. It's, like, when I say cabinet, it's, like, a little itsy-bitsy cabinet. Like, it's probably, mm-hmm. at, like, knee height. So he didn't, like, get, like, a fucking... 80 foot military box and like drag it and bury it it was like a pretty it looked like a briefcase kind of thing that he was carrying but either way haxton launched a website that consolidated stories about the cabinet called dibbickbox.com and i urge you all to go look at it i had to click away the second i saw it it was one of the hardest things i've ever read in my life not hard in the way where it was scary it was like the font everything about it (laughs) yes was just screamed i want you like your eyes to cross and never look straight again mm-hmm. i urge you all to go look at it it's it's pretty funny um just as an english major i'd like you to put like, state your opinions on it well the other thing was like the writing was just really bad <laughs> like if we're thinking of the same thing there was like just egregious sentence structure which you know listen I don't want to be a brat about sentence structure here because I say um and like every other sentence, but come on. (laughs) Also, the fact that it's like the background that the words are written on are like a pirate map. Yes. Yes. It was so weird. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. Very Tumblr 20. Yes. Or 2006. Or like MySpace energy. It just looked like he hasn't updated it since 2004. Um, Yeah. Which he might not have, to be fair. Anyway, people went nuts over this website, and it reportedly received hundreds of thousands of hits and created, and like it was uh, kind of described as an internet legend. Mm-hmm. In 2004, Haxton sold the rights to the story to a Hollywood production company, and the subsequent film, The Possession, was released in 2012. I think I've seen The Possession, and I I remember it was scary, but I, I the reason I remember watching it is because I was really pumped to see a different religion depicted in it. Like, the fact that it was, like, yeah. a Jewish entity, mm-hmm. and it had to be taken care of by a rabbi. It was very, like, the flavor was mm-hmm. very different. It was, like, it was just cool. It was exciting. It was new. I was like, how is this rabbi going to deal with it versus, mm-hmm. like, a, a, a priest or an exorcist? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, uh to heart back to my little Jewish witch podcast. Please do. She does a whole like 30 minute segment on how uh, the Jewish religion relates to exorcisms and how it's different than Catholicism. And it was very fascinating. <laughs> oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> Guess I'll have to listen to that. She was so cute. It's like a very small podcast, kind of like ours. And I was just. What was the <laughs> what was the name of it? And what episode was it again? It's called Jew Witches. I think it's episode fifty eight, but don't quote me on that. I will confirm okay. the episode right now. <clears throat> okay, amazing. Um, but continue on. Okay. So the possession came out, and Haxton also like wrote a book about it and all this stuff, and he started to get like a lot of like 
notoriety from it. Haxton has since sold the Dybbuk box to the one and only Zach Bagans, the creator of Ghost Adventures and the face of the paranormal community. We have yet to really talk about him, but I have, like, watched almost every episode of Ghost Adventures within the last, like, year. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, okay, I'm going to be honest, four months. And it was, um, he is, I hate him, but I also, like, I love to hate him. Like, I love him, but I hate him. Like he's the worst, but like I kind of am obsessed with him in a way. I don't I don't yeah. know what it is. If you guys haven't seen it, he is the definition of toxic masculinity. Truly. But there's something about it that I just keep going <laughs> back for more. And honestly, oh any paranormal podcast you listen to, he will come up and everybody mm-hmm. else like shares that same kind of sentiment about it. Yeah. Where we all hate him, but like we're kind of into it. I don't know. Anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So back to that. It is currently on display at Zach Bagan's Museum of Haunted Items in Las Vegas, Nevada. Jess, will you um, go with me at some point? I actually really do want to see it. I've heard yeah. it's actually very, very scary. Um, yeah. The Dybbuk box is featured on Zach Bagan's show Deadly Possessions Season 1 Episode 1 on Discovery Plus, which I just talked about. It's also on an episode of uh, Ghost Adventures Quarantine, where they, like, open it for the first time, all that shit. Anyway. Um, and it is considered by many people to be the most haunted item in the world. And this is a quote from – I'm wrapping up here. I'm close – This is a quote from Zach Bagans himself in the flesh from his book, Ghost Hunting for Dummies. Um, (laughs) It's surprisingly not a New York Times bestseller, but I'm not going to lie. If I had it, I would probably read it. So, oh, yeah. Quote. (laughs) That's so funny. I just. (laughs) He's so into himself. Anyway, because of the Senate. So this is a quote from him. Quote. Should I say it like him? Because of the sinister nature of the box, only visitors over the age of 18 who have signed a waiver are allowed to see it. During the time that that it has been on display, there have been people who have fainted, become dizzy, and even sick. Visitors have also witnessed, but he'd say like witnessed, a shadowy cloaked figure <laughs> passing directly through the closed doors of the room where it is on display. One of my tour guides had had sorry the I'm sorry this is really is how he sounds. One of the tour guides has had her face shoved into the case that holds the box by an unseen force. not being said like i just said it it's actually quite creepy what he says um Mm -hmm. anyway so i'm feeling nervous i'm feeling again we're gonna hearken back saying that he said that visitors have seen a shadowy cloaked figure passing directly through the doors where it's on display and a tour guide literally had her face shoved into the case where the box is being held so obviously there's something there Mm -hmm. and jess Absolutely, a, a twist that you weren't expecting. Even Post Malone, Post, Post Malone, Malone has had an experience with the box. Our boy Post DM, while in the room with our boy Zach, they both heard the sound of a little girl's laugh. Hate it. Then something dark started affecting the both of them. So what Zach did was, of course, take the box off out of its, like, fucking protective case and just touch it. And he started, not? like, yeah, why not? And he started, like, freaking out and, like, feeling all weird. And 
Out of concern and uh, definitely not gay, Post Malone reached out and touched his shoulder. It was then that Zach felt something pass through his body and into Post Malone's. After this encounter, Post Malone started seeing the dark shadowy figure. The next day, a mysterious bruise showed up on his arm. Soon after his visit, his private jet had to make an emergency landing. He was involved in a car accident and his home was broken into by armed robbers. Not it. But! 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 Here's the twist no one was expecting. Not, especially you, Jess. You did not know this was coming. Did not. Had no clue. It has recently come to light that the story of the origins of the box by Kevin Manis were, well, made up. <gasps> we know this because Kevin said so himself in a 2021 interview with Charles Moss, a writer for Input Magazine. Mm-hmm. And this is a mm-hmm. quote from the magazine. Though Manus did buy the wine cabinet at a yard sale, it was from an attorney, not the granddaughter of a Holocaust survivor. Quote, the carving in the back of it is my carving, he says. The stone that was in the box is something that is a signature creation of mine also. Make no mistake, I conceived of the Dybbuk box, the name, the term, the idea, and wrote this creative story around it to post on eBay. End quote. The two locks of hair in the box were actually from two of Kevin's friends who were in on the joke. So, the article goes on to say, quote, Manis says it wasn't money issues that motivated him, but relationship problems with his girlfriend and a host of other bad luck events. He says he channeled all of that negative energy into his tall tale. Quote, At the time I created the Dybbuk box, it was during Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. I created the box while praying and asking for forgiveness for all of the sins that I had committed that I knew about, and, perhaps even more important, the sins I had committed that I did not know about. End quote. He's such an asshole. I know. But not everything was a lie. He did give his mother the box on Halloween, and she did have a stroke. His brother and a shopkeeper did both die by suicide. But what gets me the most is that fucking interview with Paranormal Witness. That woman deserves an Oscar. His mother up there with, like, fucking Meryl Streep. Like, I was so convinced. And so he was like, so the interviewer asked him about that. He was like, well, what about the interview? And And Kevin said that his mom was like, it was basically an act of motherly love. But he said that he did not coach her on what to say. And, but like, she cried. Like, she, it was, you guys need to watch it. It was insane. She loved her, she had her moment in the light, in the limelight. And she was like, I'm going to take this and I'm going to milk it for all it's worth. I honestly, I respect that. No, Um, she, she literally had a legit stroke. Like, you can hear it in her voice. Like, she was not great. Um, However, Jason Haxon, the man who bought the, who uh, got the box and sold all the rights to the story and all of that and buried it in his yard for five years, who uh, eyes, you know, bled and who threw up ectoplasm and, um, you know, says that all, he, he says that all of his experiences are true. He and Manus were never in on it together. And both Man- Manus says the same thing, like that we were never in on it together. And Jason Haxon said that like he was never in on it. Like he says that all of the things that he experienced were 100% true. And I do have to say, 
This doesn't make me a non-believer. Mm-hmm. I think it is very possible that while a Holocaust survivor may not have channeled all of her grief into this box, another man did. Kevin Manis himself. I was going to say, Kevin really kind of did it to himself. Yeah. He admitted he created this whole story during the darkest moments in his life. Mm-hmm. Maybe he thinks it's all fake and the box is nothing but wood with a story attached to it, but... With all the anger and thought put into his story, the chances of him unknowingly manifesting something that attached to the box itself is highly likely. And, and, with the fear fed into it every day by people around the world, I would be literally shocked if there yeah. wasn't something dark attached to that, that box. Attached itself to- it's like an energy void. Mm-hmm. Like, it might not be a Dybbuk, like a Dybbuk, but like that that spirit, but there's definitely something. Yeah. But it's like absolutely. how anything becomes haunted, how any object becomes haunted, how like mm-hmm. if people worship Satan in a certain room and call in evil things, they will come. It's the same exact thing. Like, even if this guy was like, this is a funny joke, if he in the worst moments in his life mm-hmm. literally channeled all of that into creating this elaborate ghost story. Yeah. Of course, something will be attached to it, even if it's Mm -hmm. just a manifestation of that negativity where he was in his life. So I'm not saying I also believe Jason Haxon. Like, he seems like a guy who is really in it for the money and all that shit. I'm not going to fucking lie. But I would actually, I almost urge you guys to watch um paranormal possession season one, episode one on Discovery Plus, because the first time I watched it, I did not know about the admission that it was fake and it was the fucking creepiest thing i've ever seen but there are a few things in it that were like weird to me one was kevin manis's he didn't have any hesitation in touching the box again yeah he was just one up and opened it was like whatever whatever and two jason haxon walked in just fucking holding it with his bare hands and carrying it like it was nothing and Zach Bagans, you know, he had the Annabelle, the literal the Annabelle doll brought into his museum. And the guy was in, like, gloves that you use to, like, pick up fire or something. Like, it was, like, the thickest gloves I've ever seen in my life carrying this doll. Like, it was a bomb. And I was like, that's how I would be carrying If this was actually a haunted object that you had buried in your fucking backyard for five years, I would be, like, paying someone off Craigslist to push this mysterious box (laughs) for me. I would not be touching that shit myself. Yeah. So, it was really interesting thinking about that again and going back and watching the episode and, like, noticing the little things in Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. But, but, Charles Moss, the guy who did all these interviews and kind of uncovered, I don't know if he was the original one that uncovered the story, but he did a really thorough interview with um, Kevin Mm -hmm. himself. So, he reached out to Zach Bagans uh, about what Kevin had admitted, and apparently Zach was, like, real fucking mad. And it's not a surprise to you guys. That man can't control his anger. Oh, my goodness, does he lash out? Anyway, and so apparently he contacted Kevin, freaked out all this stuff. We don't know what was said, but Zach did eventually come back to Charles and said, quote, Since owning the Dybbuk box, there have been countless documented experiences people have had with it, not just from myself, but my museum staff, my fellow crew members, visitors, and most notably, Post Malone. End quote. He also claims that multiple guests have been severely affected in the Dybbuk box room in his museum, some of them having to be escorted out on a stretcher by EMT personnel. 
And I'm going to end with a quote from, again, Zach Bagans, because he (laughs) needs more attention than he already gets. Quote, I think there is so much more to the Dybbuk box, and regardless of its origins, it is very much cursed and evil. The Dybbuk box has been the focus of books, a major motion picture, and TV shows. There is more to this powerful cursed item. Its story is still being told. And that is the controversial story of the most haunted item in the world, the Dybbuk box. Thank you so much, Allison. And I will say, I'm really glad that I had you tell this story and not me because your telling was much better. (laughs) No, I I doubt that. And I'm pretty sure we had, you had a lot of information I didn't have and I'm really glad you were able to chime in with. Um, Yeah, kind of a fun, a fun thing. It was very fun. Um, What I have enjoyed having your raw reactions to some of the scary things, especially his mother spelling out hate gifts. Absolutely. But yeah. I accept that and I hope that some of you listeners got fear out of it because regardless of the fact that Kevin's full of shit, I really believe that. I think he made one. I think he he's like, maybe it didn't come from a Holocaust survivor, but he literally did everything that she he claimed she did, which mm-hmm. was put all of his anger and grief into a fucking project mm-hmm. and yeah. made a story up and now other people are being affected by it. So mm-hmm. even if it didn't come from her... It came from a white guy in the Midwest, and here we are. I guess you you do you, Kevin. You do you. But man, that guy's a good writer. Yeah. Like, I'll give him good, that. Good little creepypasta moment. Yeah. So anyway, um, I hope you guys probably- enjoyed that. Allison. Mm-hmm. It is so good to be back with you to chat about a haunted object. That's so nice. <laughs> After all this time. <laughs> like, what, four or five days? Four or five days. We are back. I have written another story. It is definitely not the same story that you wrote. We've done a little bit better of a job this time. And I have a a haunted object of sorts to tell you about. Okay. okay. I told you this earlier this week. We were talking about when we were going to do the re-recording. But I I cheated a little bit. I cheated. I hope that's okay. Okay. That's okay. I'm not not your fiancé. I'm okay with this. I'm so glad. (laughs) LOL. I... (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I also want to let the pod know that I have, like, an actual cocktail. I have made a full cocktail. I have a vodka soda with Earl Grey syrup and lemon juice in it. I don't know what to call it. But the Earl Grey... A ghost on the rocks with a fucking twist, maybe? (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Okay, but I got this Earl Grey simple syrup, and it's so good. Ooh. That actually sounds really nice. It's very nice and folly in a cup, okay? (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. I actually have a cocktail here, too. This is I, maybe my fourth of the night. They're very light. There's not much alcohol in them because I hate Mm -hmm. the taste of bourbon. But this is still number four, so do with that information as you will. I love it. Okay, so, Allison, as I said, I I cheated. I cheated on this episode. I did. I tried really hard to find a haunted fossil. I said this in the last (laughs) segment of this episode. I really did. I, before we started recording, I told Allison that I thought about just writing a fictional haunted fossil story just to, like, complete the bit. I 
tried to find a haunted dildo because that was the joke that was said that made us think that we were doing different things. I made that joke at coffee no. and, and <laughs> Brendan, Jess's fiance, took it fucking seriously, which he should not have. That's like strike one, Brendan, by the way. Um, he, okay. Brendan gets all the kudos today. I was at a family thing earlier. My brother's going on a mission. It's very exciting. People of, listeners in Dallas, watch out. New elder naughty on the, on the scene. But he, Brendan was the only man at the function who helped set up and clean up. He did all of my mother's dishes. Brendan is mm. Brendan he's, is ten out of ten today. Great. So he he's a great man, great man, great choice. So strike one for the dildo thing, but we're removing the strike for him doing my mother's. Dishes. He just took me too seriously. He took what I said seriously, which <laughs> I, in hindsight is nice of him because he's taking what I say seriously. But he literally never should unless I look at him in the eye and say this is serious. And even I then, take it with a grain of salt. Wanted to believe you were doing a haunted dildo. I also was like. I am leaning into this. So that's that's also my bad. But while I was trying to look for haunted fossils, I ended up down the rabbit hole of haunted museums, which if you are bored sometime, go take a look Ooh. at some good haunted museums. There's some good content out there. I decided not to do that because I ended up through the haunted museum research mm-hmm. getting to the story I'm going to tell you today. So... I know this week is Haunted Object Week, but I'm taking the definition of object loosely. I'm so sorry. I just, like, I pictured this is not a story about Ben Stiller as the night guard (laughs) in a museum with a T-Rex who likes to chase femurs. I also, when I was still on the, like, because I, when I was doing the fossil thing, I was like, I am just going to tell her the story of Night of the Museum (laughs) Mm -hmm. and just see how long it takes for her to catch on. The capuchin monkey named Dexter, I would have immediately been like, you son of a bitch. One of the, one of the monkeys is haunted and da 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 But I... So I'm taking the definition on this loosely for my round two of this, which, I, you know, I wrote two stories for this week. I think that's fair. So this week, I am going to tell you about a house. Now, your response to that might be, but Jessica, that's a haunted location. That's not a haunted object. However, this house was built to Mm -hmm. be haunted. The purpose of this house was to attract ghosts. So I feel like it plays both fields. Okay. All right. So this week, Allison... I will be telling you about the house built to trap ghosts, the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California. <gasps> oh my god, I've heard about this. You have? Okay. Do you know I've, what I'm I've talking about? I've heard a about? little bit. Yes, okay. I know what you're talking about. Like she's like, okay, she 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 was an interesting woman. Yes. yes. The woman who yes. built this house is a very interesting character. So Okay, okay. I had not heard of this house. But it was vaguely in the San Francisco area, and I also wanted to do a San Francisco-themed thing because I've been going to San Francisco, and I was there a couple weeks ago and all this stuff. So it's in the Bay Area. I was feeling like this is perfect because the house itself is the thing. It's less about the the ghost. It's more about the house itself. So before we get started, my sources are an article from The Insider called Most Haunted Places in America, a Atlas Obscura article called The Real Winchester's Mystery House, a Patch.com article on five spooky tales from the famous winchester mystery house the winchester mystery house.com they had that's where i got most of my stuff from they had just so much information obviously wikipedia and a article from all things interesting on the winchester mount uh the winchester mystery house there is an episode of zach bagan our hottie from the previous story yes <laughs> i don't know I, if hottie is the right recently. word but 
he's physically attractive, but the worst kind of person. He okay again. It's exactly why I hate him. Where I'm like physically like I hate him, but I'm also a little bit interested, even though I'm a lesbian. But I also hate him entirely. But I'm still like a little okay with it, which is entirely unreasonable. <sighs> I had a section Sorry. of the story about his visit to the house, and I cut it out. I was like, I don't. You don't need more airtime. <laughs> Yeah. So I've recently watched it, so I personally don't need it. If you guys want to watch it, actually, I don't think it's on Discovery Plus. I think they like cut that out of the Discovery Plus section because I looked everywhere. I looked individually at all the episodes for every single season, could not find it. And I only way I could watch it is if I bought it on Amazon Prime for $2, which I did. No shame. Okay, so you've watched the Ghost Hunters episode on this. The Ghost Adventures, yes, I have. Okay, fun. So if you, I did not watch it because it was too hard to find. So if you have any flavor from the episode you want to add, please feel free because I got to add flavor to yours. So (laughs) in order to understand this house, you must first understand her owner, Sarah Winchester. (laughs) Sarah Winchester, known mostly as Sally, and that's how we're referring to her for the rest of the episode, was born in 1839 in New Haven, Connecticut. So she was a Gilmore girl before Gilmore Girls was even a twinkle in somebody's eye. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) She was a very well-bred lady and spoke four languages. So fun for her. I know, right? (laughs) That's a lie. That's a lie. (laughs) So she married William Wirt Winchester. Wirt. Yes, that is his middle name. W-I-R-T. Wirt. I love it. William Wirt Winchester in 1862. William was an incredibly wealthy man who owned the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, which is still famous for its gun manufacturing today. So you've, like, heard of Winchester Firearms? Same guy. But despite all of this, like, upbringing and just this charmed life, all was not well for Miss Sally Winchester. Death plagued her for all of her adult years, starting in 1866 when she lost her only daughter a month after she was born from a disease called marasmus or severe malnutrition from a refusal to eat. So basically there was a failure to thrive and her daughter died a month after she was born. Wait, I'm so sorry. Before you move on, first of all, that is devastating, but I wonder if that is something that has kind of disappeared with modern medicine because of like IVs and Mm -hmm. formula. I Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you, is that something you found out? When I Googled what, or so when I was reading the Wikipedia article on her, it mentioned that. And then it had like a little, you know how Wikipedia does. It'll link you to other Wikipedia articles. And I clicked to the Wikipedia article on Marasmus and it was all images of malnourished children in refugee camps. Oh. So I the the how it plagues now is I think very different than how it was back then. So because you're right, IVs, all of that. So it's really it's a really sad. Uh, I mean, death of a child is always sad, but yeah, it's sad, especially in this time period, not being able to do anything about it. So, mm-hmm. anywho. So then, between the fall of 1880 and the spring of 1881, Sally's mother, father-in-law, and husband died in very quick succession over the course of six months. Sally was left all alone with a large inheritance. They estimate about $500 million in today's funds from her husband. uh, And it was just sitting there burning a hole in her pocket. They estimate that she had $1,000 a day to live on 
during that time period in today's money, that's $26,000 a day. Literally me too. So I know, right? Crazy. Right. So in 1885, after a few more deaths in the family, including her closest sister and a series of health issues, Sally finally consulted a medium in search of direction. According to historians, Sally visited a medium in Boston named Adam Coons. Coons allegedly gave her a message from her deceased husband. William told her from beyond the grave that she and her family were being haunted by the ghosts of all the people killed by Winchester rifles. He went on to tell her that she must construct a house for these ghosts and that she must never complete the project or they would continue to haunt her. He's just like teasing her. I don't know what this medium was on, and no one has ever. There is not a written account from Sally on this experience. Okay. Okay. So a lot of it could be conjecture, but her estate holds that this happened. Adam really came for blood, frankly and truly. For real, like if you don't, if you don't keep building, they're gonna get you. Like it's just to drive her insane for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like Sorry. a woman stricken with grief, so she's in a vulnerable place. Also, it was common in this time period for women of her social stance to really rely on mediums. I think they were rich and bored, and so they were like, "This medium has to tell me what's going on in my life." And so I think it was a also a bit of comfort to have a direction again. So that same year, Sally packed up and moved to California. She quickly bought the plot of land that would house the home for specters and began building. Sally hired carpenters to work around the clock, expanding the small house that was already on the land into a seven-story mansion. Now, Allison, had you not already seen this this docu-series, whatever we want to call it, on this, I would send you images, but it sounds like you've already seen. I would still... I would still like images. Okay, hold hold on. I'm going to send you. Okay, so this, this article that I just sent you has all a ton of historical pictures of the home, but specifically the first couple of pictures are aerial views of the house and how just wackadoodle it is, okay? Mm-hmm. So, seven stories. Where did I get to? I can't wait. I actually really want to see this, and I want It would you. be really fun to go it's in san francisco or like in the bay area so we could totally go they do weddings there Ooh. so due to the lack of plan and no architect hired for the project the house was constructed haphazardly as if it was meant to be a fun house kind of like what you'd see at a fair sally would not let them hire an architect she was the architect for this Doe sister I know. We love we love to see it. We love to see it. Rooms were added onto the exterior walls, resulting in windows overlooking other rooms. Multiple staircases were added, all with different sized risers, giving each staircase a distorted look. Staircases would go into the ceiling with no real reason why they were there. It, all the all the good stuff. I'm sorry. I'm getting chills looking at these I know. photos. This is I know. so creepy. I know. But I kind of love this house. I'm kind of obsessed. Me too. Me We're going to get into it. We're going to get into why I love this house so much towards the end. But even stranger was the fact that many of the alterations seemed pointless to her hired workers. Staircases would go up several levels and then end abruptly. Doors would open to solid walls and hallways would turn a corner and end in a dead end. Okay. So just real quick. Do you see why I'm counting this house as an object now? 
like yeah no i i'm like <laughs> i know the aerial this view is, is one so whole fun. ass whale of a house like, yes this is insane she didn't say if she should she only asked if she could so and she did we respect it and we love she it did. go sister so sally also insisted that the home be built exclusively out of redwood that would be painted and restained with a fake <gasps> wood grain I did not know that. Yes. Okay. Oh, my God. Only Redwood. So the whole house is built out of Redwood, but she didn't like how Redwood looks. So she would have them paint it and restain it and give it a fake wood grain. One of the articles I read claimed they used over 20,000 gallons of paint to restain (laughs) all the wood in the house. Isn't that so funny? Like, Oh, my God. It can only be out of Redwood, but I don't like how Redwood looks. So. Okay. I'm hearing Moira Rose this entire time. And also, like, every drag queen that has ever existed. Trixie Mattel, whom I know you love. This is just mm-hmm. the energy I'm getting, and I love it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We love it. She really knew what she wanted, and she asked for it. So, by the turn of the century, Sally finally had her ghost house complete. The final home boasted seven stories, 161 rooms, 47 fireplaces, 10 thousand panes of glass two basements and three elevators there are more than two thousand doors in the house many with useless purposes one even opens up to a sheer 15 foot drop into an outdoor garden through another the opener would find would open it to find no floor but an eight foot drop into the kitchen sink below oh my god (laughs) was that how she would like to put her dishes down like what is is that like a laundry shoe but for dishes <laughs> i was just gonna say that <laughs> she's just like i don't want to deal with this mug anymore <laughs> my kind of lady i'm into it so oh there were God. gold and silver chandeliers hung from the ceilings above hand inlaid parquet flooring dozen of Me artful st- <laughs> i mean truly <laughs> Dozen of artful stained glass windows created by Tiffany and Co. dotted the walls, including some designed by Louis Comfort Tiffany himself. One window in particular was intended to create a prismatic rainbow effect, she really said ally, on the floor when light flowed through <laughs> it. She really said ally red heart. Ally red heart. Of, okay, but of course, the window ended up on an interior wall and the effect was never achieved. <laughs> Because she just built another wall. She really said closet, red heart. <laughs> it's giving Idaho Pride 20, 2007. Oh, my God. Anywho. <laughs> Even more luxurious than the fixtures was the plumbing and electrical work. So keep in mind, we're at the turn of the century. So mm-hmm. plumbing, big deal. It was super rare for the time, but the Winchester Mystery House boasted indoor plumbing, coveted hot running water, and a push-button gas lighting available throughout the home. And it had forced air heating throughout the house. So it was, like, also, like, very modern when she was building it. I know. So kind of crazy. So it was, like, what do they call it where it's, like, like central heating or central air Mm -hmm. conditioning where it's, Mm -hmm. like... Holy shit, that's actually really, really impressive. Because this was, like you said, the early 1900s, right? Yes. Yes. That's impressive. That's insane. I know, right? And it's a seven-story house with 162 rooms. So, like, that's a lot of work. Mm -mm. So, throughout the 38-year-long construction of the house, 
Sally, the attention queen that she is, would never confirm or deny that she was building a haunted house. Her silence did nothing but increase the rumors surrounding the purpose of this crazy home. So (laughs) the other thing that I love about Sally is that when she moved to California, she only wore morning clothes. So she was always in a black veil. She was always in a black dress. She was super antisocial. So like none of her neighbors really knew who she was other than the eccentric Uh rich lady that just keeps doing add-ons to her home. So she kind of gained some notoriety, but not for the reasons that you'd necessarily want. Right. They were just like. When you said, so I was going to say, when you said morning clothes, I thought you meant like nightgown. And then after you said like your second thing, I was like, got it. Okay. Got it. Got it. She never. Yeah. She never got out of her, her widow, widow look. Like she was very much. Oh, okay. Grieving. Grieving the whole time. I am wearing a veil and I'm making it everybody else's problem that my husband is dead. (laughs) So. Okay. The contractors who worked on the home reported that Sally held daily seances with local mediums in an effort to reach the good spirits. These good spirits were reportedly consulted to find out how to best appease the spirits whom she was allegedly building the house for. These spirits are reportedly what called Winchester to make so many illogical additions to the home. So, in theory of the contractors... Sally was like, hey, I'm going up to my tower. I'm going to host a seance with a local medium, and then we're going to find out where the staircase needs to go. And then she'd come back and be like, hey, the spirits, they want a staircase here. And even though it, like, only leads to a ceiling, it's what the spirits want. That's where they want it. It's really interesting you saying that because you said that she was building this house in order to appease this, all the spirits that had been killed by the Winchester mystery rifle built by her husband's family, right? Yes. And so the fact that it's still a rifle to this day means that people never stopped dying from this rifle. So it actually it makes sense that she they it, it kept getting built because if she appeased 18,000 spirits that had all died from like the first generation of this rifle... Well, what about all the other 18,000 that just died because of it for the last, like, hundred years? I, I don't know. That that, make, that makes way more sense to me. I never thought about that before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So even after the construction was completed, Sally continued to make efforts to appease the victims of these rifles. Out of the 13th bathrooms in the home, only one was functional in an effort to confuse any ghosts wishing to haunt a spigot. Sally would sleep in a different room every night in the house and use secret passageways to get from one room to another so no spirits could follow her. So she was kind of doing this weird balancing act of I'm trying to appease these spirits, but also I don't want them anywhere near me. We love the drama. So all I want in my house is the secret passage. I'm so sorry. I just want this house. I am so (laughs) jealous. I just want to go inside and explore. Jess, please continue. I'm going to shut up. So after her death in September of 1922, Sally Winchester left all of her belongings to her niece, Marion, who had served as her personal secretary later in life. However, the home was never mentioned in her will, adding mystery to the whole thing. So she didn't will it to anybody it's just it was just there okay so this is the thing that should have arguably been her most prized and valuable possession that she didn't want anybody else in her family to own Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she spent millions of dollars (gasps) on this house i had chills mm -hmm. what so no it was not willed to anyone so after she died they realized it wasn't willed to anybody her niece had appraisers come in and the appraisers deemed the house 
worthless due to its strange design, damage from earthquakes, because they're in the Bay Area, so there's a lot of mm. earthquakes. At one point, there was an earthquake that made it so they had to take off the top three levels of the home. So now, currently, it's only four stories tall, but it previously, at before this massive earthquake in San Francisco, it was seven stories tall. So, wow. The appraisers deemed the house worthless due to its strange design, damage from earthquakes, and long-winded construction. Marion took everything in it and auctioned it off. The current owners of the house claim it took six weeks to empty the home of all the furniture, though that report has no substantiation. After the house was empty, a local investor purchased the home for a cool $135,000. Just five months after Sally died, the Winchester Mystery House was open to the public for tours. So immediately, five months immediately after she died, this home, this this company came in. They bought it. They all the stuff went out, and they were like, "How do we get this bag public tours?" And it has been open to the public ever since. So yeah. since being open to the public. Stories of all sorts of hauntings have plagued the property. It is. And I will say, the reason that I like this story is because most of the hauntings are really pleasant. (laughs) Like, the ghosts are all kind of cute. I'm kind of into it. So it's my my (laughs) type of scary story. So, a number of employees and a few visitors claim to have crossed paths with Clyde, a mustache man sometimes seen pushing a wheelbarrow in the basement or trying to repair the fireplace in the ballroom. Visitors have reported to the mansion's management saying, quote, We really like the actor who was repairing the ballroom fireplace wearing white overalls and a Victorian boater hat, end quote. But the management of the home has never hired actors like this. An employee reported seeing Clyde in a section of the home known as the Hall of Fires, so named for its many fireplaces. Prior to the mansion opening for tours one day, the employee was on a ladder. He recalls he felt a tap on his shoulder, turned, and no one was there. The worker focused his attention back to his task. That's when he felt what seemed like a hand pressing against his back. He was still the only one in the room. And again, he's on a a ladder. He's on a ladder, which makes oh, this that. somewhat even scarier. Oh, that's worse. The employee quickly left the area and recalled thinking that he would just leave the ghost to finish the job. Mm, what if it was one of the old construction workers that was like, listen, you're not doing a great job. No, quite literally. Sh- I think that it was sh- Clyde being like, because Clyde is supposedly one of the original employees that like knew, knew Sally and like worked there yeah. on the grounds and everything. I think it's Clyde being like, hey, man, you're not doing a great job. Let me yeah. get in here with my ghost paintbrushes. I'll figure it out. Go on your merry little way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this next part is something that I, the house is just, it's so creepy to me. So until recently, there have also been several sealed rooms in the house, either because the sections were unfinished, damaged in various earthquakes throughout the years, or because Sally requested it. Ew! Uh-huh. Ew. Uh-huh. Ew. So the whole front of the house, for most of the time that it had been running and when Sally was living there, they had it completely closed off because it was either damaged in earthquakes or Sally didn't want to finish it. She basically was like, I don't feel like finishing this section, so we're just going to seal it off and call it good. No rhyme. No reason. So 
Sally's she knows what she wants. She respects it. Oh, I mean, it. truly, that's the, that's the moral of the story. Sally said, "I will do whatever I want." So, truly, yeah. Sally's primary bedroom in the house was one of these sealed off areas. In 1906, during the earthquake that destroyed San Francisco, Sally was trapped in this room until her workers were able to set her free hours upon hours later. Deeply traumatized by the experience, she had the room sealed off after the fact. It stayed sealed until 2016, when the room was finally opened and added to the tours of the home. No. And so all they found in there were, like, a couple of, of stained glass pieces, some furniture, like not a ton was in there because they'd moved a lot of it out, but it was still like a sealed bedroom. Got so it, they did got find it, got it, got they it. did find some letters about the origin of some of the stained glass they didn't know about, which was really cool. But there's also a little bit of a ghost experience. So Ew, okay. this room stayed sealed until 2016 when it was finally opened and added to tours of the home by the current owners of the property. On one of those tours, a guide gathered the group in the room to explain the history and point out the objects found inside more than 100 years after being sealed. The guide heard a loud sigh in the hallway and went outside to bring in the straggler. She didn't find any tourists, but did see a small, ghostly form gliding around the corner. The guide quickly followed. She still didn't see anyone, yet she heard another sigh. The employee's theory is that it was Sally, irritated to have her hiding place from the tourists taken away from her. During these tours, visitors and employees have also reported gentle tugs of shirts or skirts as if the spirits in the home are feeling playful in their roles and still trying to no be involved. I'm good. Thank you. I'm so good without that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Something else that I was reading was that Sally's, part of the notoriety around Sally is that her employees were ultra mega loyal to her because she paid them a lot of money, she treated them like family, and she kept them all in work. And so part of the mystery of this home is that her employees upon her death, none of them spoke. None of them told anything about what she was doing in the house. Wow. So a lot of these stories after the fact have come from kind of a little bit of conjecture here and there. So that's also like part of the lore of this house is that Sally is still there and all of her employees are there still making sure she's okay. Damn. So there was Damn. when they did unseal this room, there was some controversy with the current owners of being like the original owner of this house wanted this room sealed and you are unsealing it against her will yeah kind of thing Damn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so denny who is a longtime employee of the mansion who is currently from what i could read i think they're still employed there i don't know the pandemic did a lot to people's employment so maybe not but at the time this article was written in 2018 denny was working there and was a longtime employee <laughs> so mm-hmm. Denny has a very eerie encounter with a spirit in the attic. According to Denny, one crisp morning after entering the water tower to do some repairs, he heard footsteps coming from the floor above. He went upstairs to let the trespasser know the three-story water tower structure is off limits, but the footsteps always seemed to be one step ahead of him and one floor above. His search culminated on the roof with no one in sight. Oh! Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, no! Mm-hmm. Other spooky sightings include a myriad of photographs with specters in the windows dating back to the 1920s. The current PR person for the space has reported the photos taken in the space by his crew often have beings in the background or that the photos that should be fine shots turn out blurry or ruined for no reason. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Finally, 
all of the architects who have ever come to assist in the restoration of the home have reported never feeling alone, even when they are physically by themselves in the house. What's interesting is that there is an intense loyalty to the home and to Sally. Everyone who had reports about these hauntings said that none of the spirits felt evil. It seems to me that if Sally indeed did build the house to ward off the negative hauntings of people killed by her husband's guns, she succeeded. And that is the story of a house that was literally built to be haunted. Thanks for coming. Oh my god! (laughs) Well, I love you describing it as a house that was built to be haunted because you're right, that's literally like, she built it to avoid the spirits, hence Mm -hmm. building it to be chased by spirits, Mm -hmm. so... Mm Especially if she was performing all those seances. Mm-hmm. That's so scary. Ew, 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 ew. Well done. I hated it. Anything you would like to add from the episode of it that you watched? Um, uh, A lot of their episodes blend together, but there were... <laughs> they, they had a... It's mostly him being mad and, like, demasculated or whatever. But they had... A part one and a part two, kind of. They did one Ghost Adventures episode, and then, like, years later, they did, like, return to the house Ghost Adventures episode. And I think on the first one, Zach was, the entire time he was pretending, like, I'm so lost. Like, I don't know where I am. This place is so confusing. And he was, like, just really, like, being stupid and dramatic. Mm -hmm. And while they were actually, like, exploring the house, like, um, like, ghost hunting in the house, they... He suddenly started feeling horrible and really bad. And according to him, this is the first and only time they've ever had to leave an investigation, like a lockdown in the middle of it. And it turns out that at that same moment, his grandmother had passed away. And Mm. he didn't find out till a few hours later, but... That awful feeling he felt had happened at around the same time that she had passed away. And they were apparently very close. That's one of the only things that I can say from that episode that I thought was a little bit compelling. Mm -hmm. Was if that Mm -hmm. was true, that was very, that was very interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think they did another one. On the second one, I think they, they, God, they're so dumb for this. I hate them for this. But there's this place called Bobby Mackey's, I think, in Kentucky or something that's like, the most it's it's horrible it's so haunted that's literally season one episode one of ghost adventures and they were like let's basically facetime with people that are also in bobby mackey's dealing with the demons and stuff in there and let's see if we can like transfer or transport the demons over our communication from that house into the winchester mystery house and see what happens and of course all this dark shit started happening i was like what are you fucking doing put that away and go to bed like eat your porridge and sit down in front of the fire i don't want to hear any more about this it was they they literally called the things from there and like quote unquote proved that you could like pull things from other places through radio waves and like energy to other haunted places I uh, expel, expel, expel. Hate it. I don't accept that energy. I hate it. I hate that energy. But that's what they did. So I hate it. Personally, hated it. And I think they were being very foolish in what they did. So that that's really most of what I got to say. It. Yeah. I think the Winchester. It's so. I would love to go there with you. I think it would be so fun. This is a house. This is a haunted house. I'd go to like a truly haunted place that I would go to. There's also they made they made a 2009 campy horror film about it. 
some good there's a there's a dramatized tv series called winchester with jessica chaplain i think playing sally so kind of a fun kind of a fun place but uh anyway thanks for thanks for tuning back in five days later (laughs) thank you all for listening to our episodes i hope you found mine terrifying and jess Mm -hmm. is a little bit more uplifting Mm -hmm. and i hope you were able to sleep tonight is what i wish to say absolutely would you like to hear about me cleansing my house yes yes i would (laughs) can i pee first because i'm gonna pee my pants and i want to be present for this i'm good okay so i cleanse so i cleanse my house several days ago and it was it was a lot i'm not gonna lie it took like an hour and a half no i was doing it for a long time so i lit i have like one candle that i always light when i like do anything like this that i've had for a really long time and i lit it on the table in the center of my house and i did like a little like tarot reading just to like you know get me in the get me in the spirit get me in the you know (laughs) i don't know and i like had my little crystal and i did the reading and the reading was really quite insane it was like all about turmoil in the internal self and that's what i think i texted you this where i was like i think that part of the reason that i was opened up to this potential you know being whatever it was or residual energy or whatever was here um was because of like my inner turmoil and all of this stuff so i did the reading and then i proceeded to go room by room and i did the candles north south you know east west kind of thing in every room i used so many candles i think brendan was like worried i was gonna start a fire <laughs> no that's some and like candles. i had the windows open and i did the whole thing and i actually you had made me this what, what would you call it it's like a a blend it's a blend of, of herbs and spices herbs essentially, spices that will, yeah that have you know some some good restorative properties and so i had like a little basically a burning bowl that i put a little bit of that in and then would like basically put like get that nice and ashy and like use the smoke to kind of expel the energy and the front of the house was really easy. Like, the front of the house went pretty fast. And I, like, did the candles in all the corners. And Moose was so... I was like, you are my little familiar right now. He was so on it the whole time. He was at my feet. Great he was cat. at my side. Good boy. He was going corner to corner and sniffing. And then he'd come <gasps> back to me. No. Yeah, Moose was... Oh, my God. He did his work. He did his work. It was really cute. And then I got, and as I was doing it, I was like cleaning up the rooms because I think that was also part of it. There's like a lot of stuck energy because I hadn't done like a good like declutter in a while. And so I was like kind of Mm -hmm. taking objects out of the room and, and sort of cleaning things up. And that helped a lot to get some of the stuck parts of it out. Like it felt very stale. And then when I was done, it was not stale anymore. So then I went into the hall, the bathroom, the bedroom, and the laundry room. And it felt... I've always said that, like, the hall and the laundry room have always felt the most stuck. And I think that's just they're physically, like, their energy voids. The laundry room is where all of our storage is. So, like, Christmas, all of our, like, old, like, high school memories, that kind of stuff. Like, it's all stored up there. And then it's laundry. And it's also where the cat's litter box is. So, there's, like, just, like, a lot of, like, 
utilitarian kind of gross energy in there and I've cleansed the laundry room itself before but this time as I was doing it I was kind of expecting I was like saving the laundry room for last on the west side of my house so I was like we're gonna go room by room I'm gonna do the hallway and then I'm gonna do the bedroom the bathroom and then I'm gonna end with the laundry room but as I started my bedroom I was like no it's in here like this is where it is and so I did another card pull and I pulled the lovers which is crazy because it's like my bedroom where like I share with my lover. And so I like, and as I was going, I have a bunch of crystals that I just have had over the years. And so I was putting those kind of throughout the rooms in the window seals where I like felt, you know, just for like, like some like rose quartz and stuff like that, just like some extra cleansing and things like that. And I like sat in my bedroom and like kind of said the words you're supposed to say to be like, you're not welcome here anymore, all this stuff. And I did that for like 15 minutes. I went through two bowls of the stuff trying to, and like both the windows were open, the whole bit, and the flames on all of the candles were so chaotic, like so chaotic. It was so crazy. And like that had not happened in the other parts of the house. And so I like let it, I like had the candles going for a really long time and I let it be and I went to the other two rooms and like the laundry room was really easy. The bathroom was really easy. And then I came back into the bedroom and like even Brendan walked in and he was like, this is the only room that doesn't feel normal yet. And so I like did it one more time and then I went through the house and I like had one candle that I'd kept going the whole time. And then I like blew out the candles like room by room and like said one last, like you are not welcome here kind of thing. And then I finished with the bedroom and I like kept the I've kept the crystals and the candles in all the same places and this corner behind me you're familiar with the corner (laughs) both of us are uh have had a rose quartz and the candle in that corner since then and I do feel like like I feel it feels like it's gone like I feel but it took so long (laughs) It was crazy. It was so crazy. And so I've got this corner is kind of still set up. And then there's the window in my laundry room where I kind of like, I feel like most of the energy in the house like kind of siphons through. I do have like a little shrine set up in there as well. But so, but it feels like it's, it's gone. It's moved on. You haven't had mm -hmm. any more experiences or any more feelings? No, I think that it is. Even if it's just like the fact that I like to have an attitude reset, you know, but like it feels good again so good i am so happy to hear as far as i know you um used up the rest of that stuff right Mm -hmm. i have like a tiny bit left but i am planning on going to my local witchy store and getting some more so i can make you some more because i also need some for my house and i'll tell you about that tomorrow so oh my god oh my god (laughs) wow no that is And by tomorrow, I mean for everybody else, it'll be next week. But (laughs) Jess, that is insane. I, I'm, oh, I have chills. I'm so glad you were able to get that away. But yeah, or at least to get that to leave. I I think that's Mm -hmm. great. And sometimes I forget how witchy I can be. Yeah, you're a witchy bitchy. I'm not going to lie. For sure. Like, I mean, listen, you are queen of boundaries, and that means on this earth and in the spiritual earth beyond, the world beyond, Mm -hmm. so... So yeah, anyway, that's my that's my story. I'm excited to hear or also slightly terrified to hear yours tomorrow. I don't want to talk about it. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'm going to talk about it tomorrow, but right now not so much. Can't wait. Can can't wait, wait, but also can't. Um 
Jess, we will be returning next week for everybody else, but tomorrow for us, we will be mm-hmm. returning with... <sighs> God, why did I do this? Um, Poltergeist slash mm-hmm. Possession slash... Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I'm mm-hmm. so stupid for this, and it's part of the reason why I'm suffering. All right, so we will be returning next week for Poltergeist slash Possession slash really personal scary demonic things like that basically mm-hmm, um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you put a spin on this i will not judge you one bit and i'll be here for it i just want you to know that but if you don't i also that's what we asked for and i'm here for it too if people want to get scared i am here to trust whatever journey we take so fabulous i can't wait allison it's gonna be a really fun episode and thank you everybody for listening in on this one now if you have not already we want your ghost stories so please please send us in your latest ghost stories hauntings experiences whatever whatever it may be we want to hear it and creepy things that children have said to you that they shouldn't have been saying to you Please, the link the is things. in our bio. It's also in the episode notes. So, yeah, it's in our bio on Instagram, which is uh, Salt Lime Storytime, just all one word. And it's in our uh, bio there. So, please mm-hmm. go click on that, check it out, and submit anything that you think is just terrifying and worth it because we will also think it's terrifying and worth it. Yeah, we're so- stoked to read them. So, alrighty, guys, we'll see you next week. Yeah, we sure will. Goodbye. Okay, bye. bye.